Hi everybody, what you're about to hear is an interview that I did with uh, Nathan Dumont after um, his presentation at OGCAMP 11. Yes, that's correct, OGCAMP 11. Uh, I have... uh, I have apologised to Nathan in person and I would like to continue to apologise to him. Finally, the show has been aired. Without further ado, I give you Nathan Dumont. Hello everybody, my name is Ken Fallon and it turns out we have a special guest here. Nathan, how are you doing? Fine, thank you. We're outside Og Camp 11 uh, in the Premier Inn and you've, you've been um, exhibiting, exhibiting at the show, giving a talk. That's right, yeah. Uh, I had a Pong game on exhibit. Um, it's based on the uh, chip kit Uno 32, which is a new Arduino compatible open source hardware board and I was presenting on open source hardware in general. That was right beside the Hacker Public Radio um, uh, booth and I must say thank you very much for doing that because it was a great attractor to get people over to the Pong table. So um, uh, for for a start I guess a lot of people might know what the Arduino board is. Can you tell us about that? So the Arduino board uh, has been around a few years. It's a basic microcontroller board which contains all the, the extra components you need to actually make it run um, but the big step forward with the Arduino was that it has software on it which makes it um, straightforward to program without any special tools. And uh, uh, what can you do with it? So to start off with, the classic example is uh, blinking, and blinking an LED. So you can write, that's the flash example, which is a few lines of code which starts you off. Um, but they've been used in everything from... Um, GPS-enabled clothing to um, matrix signs to display messages and um, space probes. Okay, fantastic. That, uh, one of the projects that I've been really interested in getting into, if I wasn't doing Hacker Public Radio, would be uh, Arduino hardware. Of my, the project for I'm a mechanical engineer, and my project was involved um, having a computer do stuff way back in the day. So um, how, how could I get uh, started? You know, I, want, I want to revive my interest. How would I go about getting started again? So if you're just working from home kind of thing, you can look it up. Arduino.cc is the home page for the Arduino project. It's Link in the show notes. Uh, it's got uh, example code and tutorials and reference material. Everything's on there. Um, if you want a bit more help getting started or if the electronic side particularly bothers you because the software is perhaps more familiar to open source people um, a hack space your local hack space if you can find one is a great place to go um, my local one in Bristol a couple of weeks ago just ran an Arduino workshop where you could pay a um, certain amount for the course and a certain amount extra and you got the Arduino to take home with you at the end of the course and there's experts there to kind of show you how to build it and how to code I think uh, I 
heard a podcast about the creator of the Arduino board and the, the point of it was that it was going to be so inexpensive that it would be the same price as a pizza so a student would have enough money to be able to afford the Arduino board I thought that was a, a quite cool Are you limited to the Arduino board or do you any other stuff? I'm an electronic engineer by trade so I go from the very, very high end um, My, I'm working in a university and research department so we've got several thousand pound pieces of uh, open source hardware starting up from the Etis Research Usurp which is an amazing FPGA based software radio which we can do digital TV streaming on and and all the way through we're working on some Arduino hardware as well at the moment. Tell us more about that. So um, I've been looking at uh, TV white spaces which is putting data networks like Wi-Fi through gaps in the TV spectrum created by turning off analog TV which is going on in the UK and the US and around the world at the moment Um, and we're using the uh, open source USERP hardware to actually monitor what's in the bands and develop algorithms for detecting gaps and where you could set up data networks. So the idea here behind white spaces, I guess, is to um, uh, yeah, increase the amount of bandwidth without interfering with existing transmissions, I guess. Absolutely. The 2.4 gigahertz license-free band is getting quite full, which is where Wi-Fi works at the moment. So there's some push into the 5 gigahertz band, which is also license-free. But the higher the frequency you go, the worse the signal um, distance the propagation so it it gets soaked up by walls and stuff quicker whereas TV as you know I'm, you can quite often get a signal inside with an indoor aerial on TV so the propagation is a good band to be in for big networks OK um, does it help to have an electronics background I guess if you're getting interested in, uh, in hardware hacking um it can do. It depends what you want to do with it, really. I mean, uh, my I've come at it from the electronics end, so I'm interested in automating electronic systems rather than necessarily uh, the software. From that point of view, if you if you're not too bothered about the software, there's a lot of uh, uh, not too bothered about the hardware. There's a lot of shields and stuff that have been designed by electronics enthusiasts, open source enthusiasts who design the electronics and then it's basically plug and play so a shield is a a simple board which follows the same footprint which plugs on top as a kind of shield above the main board and you can get these with everything from um, just extra outputs for plugging in LEDs and things right up to touchscreen LCDs for displaying graphics and, and input. This seems like a fantastic idea if you were trying to get kids involved in, in you know, introduced to electronics. What would you say to that? Yes, it'd be a good place to start. Um, a lot of projects in the past have kind of done robots and things that kids have been really interested in. It's a magazine 15 years ago, I guess now, real robots or something, which, which let you build a robot up from parts. But the problem with that was it was all very closed. And the great thing about Arduino is it can grow with you, so you can start off with the very basic, and as you build confidence, you can build more and more complex. So the Pong game that I built, the input control was textbook Arduino, very simple uh, reading an analogue value in um, but the output was really high level stuff and I was using direct control of the hardware registers which meant I had to read the chip data sheet so you can go from the really simple 
to really complicated with the same platform. Absolutely phenomenal. I think it's a gateway into hardware hacking. I, I have a dream that my house is going to be completely automated. You know, sometime on my to-do list. Um, would you be interested in, uh, you know, if somebody was interested in this sort of project? First of all, can you tell me uh, how much uh, Arduino board would be? Ish. Is it an expensive hobby to get into? In the UK, they're around twenty pounds uh, for the basic board. You can get kits for between. 30 to 50 pounds which will come with the board and uh, a whole bunch of extra RGB LED which can give you, you can do colour mixing and and the inputs and some motors and and a book of example projects to get you started. They might not be very useful, it might turn a motor forwards and backwards and then repeat but at least it gives you the code and the circuits to get started with you know anything from building a robot to having a light change colour when you get a Twitter message. Oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. What, what website would you suggest people go to um, if they wanted to you know, get into the community? Is there a community around the hardware hacking? There are a lot of communities around hardware hacking. Um, really good place for an overview of it is O'Reilly's Make magazine has a blog, um, which blog.makezine.com, I think. Um, so that's a good place to kind of see what's going on. They've got a huge archive of projects of everything from uh, kind of Lego Mindstorm stuff to Arduino projects to much more sophisticated, you know, scratch builds. Okay, fantastic. Listen, I want to thank you very much Did it, um, for coming on doing an interview. Uh, are you, was there anything I missed in the show that you'd like to get in there? I don't think so. Listen, um, how can people contact you if they uh, are... Is there a IRC or a forum or something that uh, you would encourage people to go to if they had some questions? If they want to contact me specifically or look at the slides from the OGCAMP presentation, which covered a whole load of open source hardware, uh, they can go to my website, which is nathandumont.com. Um, and yeah, contact details are on there. Otherwise, um, there are forums for the Arduino, for the chip kit that I used, which is uh, chipkit.org. Um, and, and what was that? That seemed to be more like little bits and pieces that you were putting together. The basis was very similar. So the the central board was the same. I'd uh, added a few external components to make up the controls and things. Um, and it was all on just one breadboard until uh, Friday, uh, Thursday, when I had to solder it all together to make sure it didn't fall apart when people played with it fell a bit part a bit at the hack space when people had a go but didn't mm. matter because I could plug it back together but uh, it, it's only mm, a, a dozen or so simple components what's the, what's the difference between a chip kit and an Arduino? the processor on board is much more powerful than the chip kit it's a, a MIPS 4K yeah. architecture made by Microchip and it's a 32-bit processor that runs 80 megahertz, as compared to an 8-bit processor that runs at 16 megahertz. Um, so the software hides this difference from you, so you can run Arduino code straight on top of it. The delays will be the correct length because of the way the language is worded and things. Um, but if you want to do something that takes a lot more processing power and faster instructions like VGA generation on the fly, which is what the Pong game did, you can. Okay, fantastic. Um, and are they more expensive then, by, I guess? Actually, no. The uh, 
the chip kit Uno in the UK is actually a pound or two cheaper than the Arduino. They're very similar in the US, depending on where you get yours from um, and around the world. There's a mega equivalent, which is called the Max 32, which again is within a pound or two of the Arduino Mega, so very similar on price. Listen, thank you very much for taking the time out to do an interview. Thank you. Good afternoon,
a software layer for radio um, processing on a PC. So with one of these, you can do anything from watching TV to listening to FM radio, just depending on how your software is set up. About £2,000 each. So this is very high end, but there's everything from the schematics to the source code to the FPGA which is, is all open and freely available to download get the Kind of open source approach. Um, massively powerful uh, and the basis for some quite interesting uh, open source projects for infrastructure. High power. So um, this is a, a Beagle board. Um, it's got a Texas Instruments OMAP, which is an ARM processor similar to what you might find inside a tablet. Um, it can run Android, I believe, uh, run Ubuntu, full Ubuntu desktop. I've seen it takes a while to load up um, Firefox on there, but it does run. Um, it's got HDMI output, it's got video codecs, it's got Ethernet built in, USB ports, all this kind of stuff. And the old fashioned RS232, so if you've Got some machine automation or something, but you've got a complex control system, or you need a web enabled control system. This kind of thing will do a whole lot without attaching the This is the XM, which has been extended, the clock speed has been increased, the amount of RAM has been increased. They demoed them at uh, Live Radio Live in 2008, originally, and it was running the Blend movie. Uh, one at the time, the open movement project on a flat screen, big hotel in high definition, and the processing was good for that, just fine. People call the doll, and they're about 120 quid in the case, cheap hardware. Uh, an alternative is very similar hardware um, architecture, it's another OMAP processor. These things are tiny, but they're made to jet gun sticks. They're the size of that sort of size circuit board that's three millimeters thick or something, with all the components. Um, because they're so small, they're aimed more at kind of uh, industrial embedding where you've got the machines to, to mount them properly and things, whereas the big board's got the old fashioned 0.1 inch pitch headers you can plug things in um, yourself. But these are quite handy in kind of embedded solutions for maybe data logging or mail tracking, this kind of thing that being used in um, because they're so small and long. And down to the good old Arduino. So this Arduino started off this one I borrowed. This is uh, the Dumi Lenovo, I think, but uh, announcing it is always interesting. Uh, this is this is the original one um, that they did, and it's it's grown on from this. So there's at least half a dozen different versions even on the Arduino site itself and then you get clones, the CDN, the Freedom, um, because of the documentation. So the current one is the Uno, they've changed the serial port thing a bit and stuff. But as far as the user's concerned, it still does the same thing. Plug it in with a USB need, program it, you don't need any external tools. Uh, 
it's a job that everyone can download so if you don't know anything. Um, and you write, it's actually a, um, a version of C and C++ with a lot of helpful libraries built in. So if you look to program on these chips in C or C++ from scratch, you find you have to read rules of commands to know where all the registers are to control different hardware. Whereas if you want to read analog value on this, you simply do analog read and pin them and it will give you a value back. Um, so there's a lot of software patterns there. Um, they are the, the basic Uno is quite limited because it's a, a slow-ish 16 megahertz processor and hasn't got all that much RAM. Um, so it can do a lot of things, and there are some amazing uh, projects which have got full uh, graphical displays on televisions, um, black and white, done with just this chip and a few resistors. And, uh, so you can, you can get a lot out of it if you know how, but it's kind of limited in scope. So there's a lot more versions. Uh, the Arduino Mega is on its second revision as well, um, and it's a much more powerful ADR, uh, very similar style. It's got more I.O. and more memory, but similar performance. So you don't see much speed up using it, but you can build much more complicated programs and applications. Uh, you can run web servers and all sorts of even the Arduino, but the Mega is more popular because of the extra code space. Um, a new one, I've only heard about this year, but I'm not, I haven't read into it a great deal. It's the Leaf Labs Maple, which is a, an ARM STM32 ARM Cortex, uh, which is a kind of ARM embedded processor um, for kind of microcontroller applications. But they've got an Arduino like development environment, so they've got bootloader and they've got a similar kind of set of background libraries that you don't have to get down from their network program. Um, 72 megahertz, it's a lot faster, it's a 32-bit processor, so it, can, it could be capable of a lot more complex tasks. Um, and the chip kit which has come out this year uh, is kind of being sponsored by, by Microchip, who are Atmel's big competitor in really, the uh, microcontroller market. The chip kit is running an 80 megahertz MIPS 32-bit processor, so it's much, much more powerful uh, and actually comes in s around the same place as the Arduino Uno. Um, so the demo I've got downstairs with one of these is generating VGA on the fly with some resistors and no external uh, you know, computational power. It's very much more powerful than the, uh, than the original Arduino. They do a Max 32, which is incompatible with the Mega, um, and that's even more powerful again, so it's got more memory and, and DMA control. There's one of those in the wrap. Um, it's the chip kit is actually software compatible with the Arduino as well, and digital community and open source community uh, chipkit.org have built the, the compatibility libraries up. So if you've got 
you've got a uh, third party library for the RFP, if it uses hardware, that will be broken up because it's a different processor, so it's going to need support in anything that uses the RPX abstraction layer, so all the digital write and the, the serial libraries and all this kind of stuff has been ported and will run faster, in fact, on the, on the chip kit without any more, uh, anything other than just a read file for a new target. Um, it uses an adapted version of the uh, Arduino software that runs on Java. It looks exactly the same. It's got an extra menu which lets you select, uh, select the chip kit for, um, which gives you all the tools you need, the compiler based on GCC, um, and the download tool, which runs, again, with no external programmers, when you just plug it in again. So what's open source hardware, what I've talked about there, are mostly are development boards to start building. There's quite a few kind of uh, products as well, which integrate uh, these technology boards, or are designed from scratch. It's a RetroRack 3D printer, which was designed by someone in an office across the hall from me at the University of Bath. Um, there's one of these on display down in the, um, in the exhibition area downstairs. It's a 3D printer which is capable of printing itself. Now, obviously it can't print the steel rods and things, but all these joints and connectors, the whole thing, it will print a complete replica of all the connectors and you can build up another they're working at the moment on conductive paste that you can say it can draw its own circuit boards, which will give it an extra layer of self-reproducibility. Um, the this is a bus pipe is a, a little tool, logic analyzer tool, which is completely open source. Quite interesting that it can analyze communications for reverse engineering hardware um, or just debugging. And the open mocha you may have seen around 2008-2009 there's an attempt to make an entirely open phone um, which is kind of stopped, they're not producing any more um, before and they did take off and there wasn't really anything open in the handset market and they went from cab design to the case and circuit boards right through to the software layer and the whole phone was entirely open source. Um, So a bit about the demo, this is down in the exhibition play. It's a bit more robust than the original prototype, which was on old breadboard because I didn't think it would last. I was playing with it so long. Um, so this is the, the chip kit uh, Uno running VGA with a set of resistors and just basic controls. Uh, the sketch to do all this about six sides of A4, so it's not an enormous amount of code, that's down the tape as well. And as you can see, the circuit, external circuitry, so you know, a few jumper wires and a couple of displays. Uh, it does glitch a bit, the, some of the timer interrupts are quite smoothed out, uh, but it is playable and it does keep scores. Let's go and play with that. We've got prize in the raffle. This is the most powerful of the chip kit boards. It's got 512k RAM and um, significant power for an embedded uh, microcontroller board. Uh, about 35 pounds each. 
was brought up, being sponsored by Fano Electronics, who are an industry supplier, and I think looking to get into some of the hobbies market as well. But check that out, UK Fano.com. And that's it for the presentation. The, I've got the URL sorted out this year. It's nathanjewon.com slash podcamp11. Slides aren't up there yet because I only finished editing them in the talk previously. So I'll upload them in a few minutes uh, and you can get the slides and the source code and schematics and everything for the poll and demo and some other projects all on the site as well if you're interested. So thank you for listening. Are there any questions? Yep. Um, I have one. Uh, I use an MP3 player. Yeah. And, uh, uh, rock and it's uh, becoming increasingly harder to find uh, an MP3 player. Uh, I use the iRiver H10. Yeah. It's, uh, it's very hard to find that now. It's older, it's like seven or eight years old, and it's very hard to find. Uh, is there any company out there that's going to maybe think about building a, an MP3 player with that on Dropbox out of the box? I've got no idea. I I have actually been working on building an MP3 player from scratch. It's an open project, takes around an ARM process on. I mean, we're talking about it doesn't even necessarily be MP3, it could be ARM. Yeah, this is it. I've got an ARM code chip, but no, I, I haven't heard of anyone trying to do a hardware for a for rock box. Yeah. Interesting idea. Yeah. Uh, Nathan, thanks for a good roundup of available uh, hardware. Just a bit of comment. It's nice to see that the microchip, after a uh, five year delay, finally realized that they are lacking in this space. And yeah. They're quite cash out. They're uh, microchip done a lot at opening up their tools to Linux users in general. They've, uh, about two months ago, they released something called MPLAB X, which is a new SnapBeans based. Uh, cross-platform development which replaces the old MP lab Windows 16 bit application. Back in the late 80s and the 90s, Microchip were the, the first people to offer free development tools. Um, and, and so that was the real thing that kicked off um, low cost development. But they, they have been somewhat lacking, and the, the leaders obviously don't have the likes of Atmel and ARM. Um, there's, there's a lot of support in you know, but there's, there's a somewhat of an urban myth that AVR programming on the Linux is easier than PIP programming. I've done a lot of PIP programming using an entirely open source stack. Uh, it's a package called GPU Utils, which is a new PIP utilities, which contains compiler and link and all the link scripts for microchips, chip processors. And there's uh, binary called pk2 command that's on microchip's own website which we use one of their very cheap programmers from a Linux machine actually programming chips. So it's reasonably straightforward to actually develop the pit although a lot of the argument about why I'm going to use AVR was perhaps because it's easy to program on Linux. Uh, one final thing, but Interesting, no hardware, and we're speaking in the great hall of 3 p.m. to talk about the hardware successor. Good. Um, and Hackspace is the place to go to play with the 
Yeah, you said you think that uh, six hours is a different program. When I had a go a while ago, I found that um, yeah, to move people that read down or band it badly, it took a dozen lines of code just to set up a pick, set up all the registers, set up you know, all the callbacks and stuff, and trust. Doing an Arduino with one line, but, you know, but that, that, the way this around it was what made it kind of not part of the pick. No, absolutely. When we're talking about different things, maybe a pickaxe programming, which is a, a higher level thing, which right. abstraction would be pick-based equivalent. Of I'm just curious if it's changed since two years ago. Whenever I looked at pick programming, the, the, the eight-bit picks are still there's there's nothing really in this kind of abstraction layer that does the the net work for you. The thirty-two bit picks, like the they've got full Arduino library, and in fact most of the um, PIC32 demo ports, even not the you know, incompatible Arduino ports, you can run the Arduino layer on and, and then run these really simple online instructions to read now of how instead of having to be like the same all set up here on registers and The Arduino type format is, is ideal if you're not uh, not experienced with electronics because it's, it's plug and go. You, all these headers are all designed to just plug this one. And you can get kits. This one, which can be a set, uh, set of different wires and lights and so on. And in Necessary platforms on which to be able to do the hardware that you need to get your software to do something. Um, so the Arduino type uh, boards, so Arduino, 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 all those kind of things are yeah, plug and play. Are any of the other, or any of the boards, better or worse, with the support of the wild shields and stuff? Um, you need to check that with all of them. There are, there are compatibility issues between for shields that you made for the Mega, for the Uno, uh, and certainly with the new chip kit ones, because the chip kit ones are running in 3.3 volts, which isn't causing a problem with a lot of the shields, but there are a few that are specific for 5 volts in this level translation issue. Um, so, the original Luna works with the most ports because it's the most popular, it's the most developed being done around it, and um, with a lot of them. When you, when you buy the shields, I'm sure it will be most of very explicitly. It doesn't work with the specific or only works with the specific um, So the Uno's got a bigger side of them, most of them will say they're Any more questions?
to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All BinRef projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Share Alike, 3.0 license.